It's the Parent-Teacher Conference Christmas Special. Coach will be celebrating with The Grinch, the cast of Die Hard, musical guests, some band. So stay tuned to enjoy some typical Christmas cheer. parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to the Parent Teacher Conference Christmas Special. I'm Coach Cullen, your host, and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be a little different than I've done episodes in the past, where I'm talking on this same topic, which will be Christmas, but discussing it from three different angles. And the guest stars I said I would have in the beginning, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> I have no budget. But hopefully, you'll see why I mentioned them, how they correspond to the topics I will be addressing in this episode. If this is your first time listening, typically the parent-teacher conference episodes deal with education from a center-right perspective. I'm also a Christian, which influences my thoughts, but to be honest, all of our beliefs that we hold dear influence our thoughts, and that's if you're religious, a different religion, or if you're an atheist. I'm just being upfront with you where I'm coming from. And I think on this episode, you'll hear some of that because it's dealing with Christmas. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and you like the episode and want to hear more content, please make sure you follow me. I try to put out an episode one, at least once a week. Sometimes I get out too. Also, if you like your friends to listen on, we always like more listeners, please make sure you tell them to look for the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. I am the guy with the baseball hat on with a mug covering his mug because there are several podcasts named similarly. And this episode is titled the Parent Teacher Conference Christmas Special. You can also copy the link to this specific episode on Spotify. It's a box with an arrow pointing up. You just click on that and I think it says copy link. You can text that out to a friend and explain why they should listen. Or you, I think on Apple Podcasts, it's three dots and it does the same thing. And if you need any help with that, you can email me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P is in parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference podcast, 411, all one word, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Now, last year, what I did for Christmas was I had an episode each day for 12 days, and it was typical Christmas arguments, such as, what is the best version of A Christmas Carol? What is the best Christmas novelty song? And again, if you go on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you search back into December, you can find all of these arguments. You can take a listen. In fact, as I when I look and see who's been listening throughout the weeks, in December, I've seen a lot of people open up those arguments from last year. This year has been a little different. I've been struggling to get done with school up to the break. I just haven't had the time to sit down and do 12 episodes like that. And I, I just couldn't figure out what to do instead. And it just dawned on me. I need an episode for this week. And I said, just make this a Christmas episode. And I'm going to do it like 
the Christmas specials of old where I'll have guest stars, but I don't have any guest stars. I have nobody to interview. So I will have a different quote unquote skit or topic dealing with the main topic of Christmas. So it's a little different than what I typically do. I typically just run with one topic for the half hour to an hour worth of time. Let me know what you think. Again, just email me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. And I figure I'd start this Christmas special talking about Christmas traditions. So consider this my opening monologue of the Christmas special. I would love to hear from you. What are your Christmas traditions? Remember, email me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com and let me know. Now, as a kid, our Christmas tradition was I would run down the stairs and wake my parents up like at 5 in the morning. They would often tell me to go back to bed, even though I saw in the living room that Santa Claus had come and the presents were under the tree. Now, the reason I needed to get up so early to open my gifts because I wasn't able to play with them. You know, some of you might be like me. We had to go to my grandparents' house. My mom helped my grandma with the cooking. And even though... My cousins all were able to show up at 11, 12. I was there by 9 o'clock in the morning. And I could only bring one gift with me every year. Of course, as an adult, you wish you had those times with your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your cousins again. But back when you were a kid, you wanted the toys. Now that I'm a parent, we have some different traditions ourselves. You know, it's been kind of quirky in the years since we've had kids. Last year, we went to Disney. You know, my wife and I always said when we had kids, one of the things we wanted to do was spend Christmas at Disney, and we accomplished that last year. There was one year that we were homeless. That That's true. Uh, what happened was we sold our house in early December, and the house we were moving to fell through, so we had no place to go. A colleague and friend of mine opened up her and her husband's house to us. Their kids were all grown. They were empty nesters. They had a finished basement. They actually left for the Midwest. They're not from our area, so they went back to see their family in the Midwest. So we had the house to ourselves on Christmas. The husband bought us a tree, and we assured our daughters, who were very young at the time, that Santa would be able to find us. And sure enough, Santa found us in this house that wasn't our own, on that Christmas. So we have some great Christmas memories that aren't traditional, but the one tradition we do have is one that my wife wish we didn't have. A few years ago, probably I think six years ago when I when I made this episode, it was the twenty like second, twenty-third, I can't remember the actual date, but it was the early morning of the last day of school before Christmas break. My wife wakes me up in a panic. She just not, doesn't feel right. And she says, you need to call an ambulance. You need to call 911 now. So, you know, I'm freaking out. I call 911. My oldest daughter was a fourth grader. My youngest was a first grader. So I wake them up. My wife goes into the ambulance. She gets whisked away to the ER. We follow the ambulance there. They get out. Everything's calm. They're going to run tests on my wife. So it's now about... 4.35 o'clock in the morning. I take a personal day that day, a half day before break. We're really not doing anything, but I need to get my daughters ready for school and, of course, go back to the hospital to be with my wife. But before we get home, 
I decide to take my daughters just to get something to eat, get their mind off the fact their mom's in the hospital. So thankfully, there was a 24-hour diner open just in our town. We pull in, and we have breakfast. We get home. I get them ready for school. I drop them off at school. After some tests, I bring my wife home, but actually she had to return to the ER the next day. Well, she wound up in the hospital on Christmas morning. And Santa found us, even though mom was in the hospital. We FaceTimed the kids opening up the gifts. Now, my in-laws had made the way up to our house to be with the kids and myself while their daughter was in the hospital. This is a very different Christmas. Later on in the morning, I left my kids with my in-laws. I drove to the hospital. I came back. And the plan was that afternoon, later on that night, we would all go to the hospital and give mom her gift from Santa. And I told the kids, hey, I got one more gift for you. And in through the front door walks my wife. And it, even though it was a hard Christmas for her, it really was a blessing that the doctors did discharge her. And we, she was able to surprise our daughters by being there the rest of Christmas Day. So... Now, where's the tradition? Do I take my wife to the ER every Christmas? No, that's not the tradition. The tradition is the breakfast. From that year on, my daughters and I always go out for breakfast the last day of school before Christmas break. We call it the Mommy Memorial Breakfast. Now, my wife gets on me for that because she says, Memorial? I didn't die. And she also will never go with us because she says, why do I want to remember such a horrible Christmas like that? She actually had to go with us last year because it was in the middle of our trip to Florida. What happened was, you're like probably going, well, would you miss a day of school? You said it was the last day of school before break. It was a snow day. So we actually left. We got The school was called the night before. So we got on the road very early and we had our breakfast, which would have been on the last day of school before winter break, but it was a snow day on our way down to Florida, driving down to Florida. So my wife was, in a sense, forced to be with us for that mommy memorial breakfast. But every other one we've had, we've had five of them. She's never been there. And you're probably thinking I'm a horrible husband. But at the same time, yes, it wasn't a great Christmas. It wasn't the perfect Christmas, but my wife was fine. We got to see her on Christmas Day. And to be honest, it's just a fun thing to do with my daughters and I. Just like some daddy-daughter time. And the fact that they still will wake up early with me as they get older. They're still waking up early with me. They they always, they never balk. I say, hey, we going out for the Mommy Memorial Breakfast tomorrow? And they're both like, yeah, yeah. It's a great tradition. Not for the greatest of reasons, but it's a great tradition. Now, I know you're, you're probably getting this episode being pushed out on Christmas Eve, and a lot of activities going to be going on in your house on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. You're probably going to listen to this in the week between Christmas and New Year's Day, and I get it. Hopefully, it will just continue on with the Christmas celebration that week, make you think a little bit. If you have anything else you want to talk about by email, please feel free to send it. The rest of this Christmas special will be broken up into three sections. I hope you enjoy it, and Merry Christmas.
on this middle school history teachers forum and without fail every Christmas season somebody will post something Christmassy they're doing in the classroom. So the one I'm going to talk about this year is a teacher got a blue Christmas tree and she had her students create ornaments of significant events in American history. I think they even did like famous American people and they hung it to this tree. Now it, it was a Christmas tree, but the re reality is it was probably more of a 4th of July tree. If you could say it like that. And a lot of people liked it. They, they thought it was a great idea. You know, you're taking the energy of Christmas that the kids already have, and you're utilizing it in a positive way. The kids have to think through what is significant in American history and how do I depict that as an ornament on a tree. But then you had a Grinch teacher. You could not, you cannot use Christmas at all in a public school type teacher. And she shamed, or she attempted to shame, the teacher who dared post this. What up? What happens if a kid doesn't celebrate Christmas? How? dare you let's be honest about christmas in a public school number one christmas is a federal holiday in fact it's one of the four original federal holidays do you know what the other three are you said fourth of july very good that's one thanksgiving would be the third one the fourth one's a little tricky but it's New Year's Day. So Christmas, Thanksgiving, 4th of July, and New Year's Day are the four original federal holidays. So the government of the United States is saying that Christmas is important to shut down the federal government for. And that has not changed. Remember one year I was in a discussion back and forth with another Grinch teacher and I made the comment and she was all like up in arms as if I could change that. And I just, at the end, I just said, if you really want to get rid of it, you got to contact your congressman. I even went to the Anti-Defamation League website, and they have no issues with a Christmas tree being put up in a public school. And I think there are two things we have to remember about Christmas. There is definitely a religious aspect of the holiday with the birth of Jesus to Mary and Joseph in a manger in Bethlehem. And then there's the fun aspect of Christmas, the Christmas tree, Santa Claus, can candy canes, Songs like Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And typically, that's what's being presented in the school. Because remember, even this tree that I talked about, it was a Christmas tree. The ornament's about U.S. history. Patriotic symbols that you would expect should be in a U.S. public school. And as a Christian, I would agree with this Grinch teacher that the religious aspects should not be taught. Now, what should be taught is what Christmas is for. That's factual, just like I teach what Hanukkah is for or what Ramadan is for. And I teach the facts of those holidays so my students have a better understanding when they read about those cultures and their actions in history, or even when they meet people or have friends who practice those religious holidays. I am a firm believer that religious formation is the job of the parent not the school. And as a Christian, I actually 
I'm, I'm against prayer in public schools. And when, I, and when I say that, I mean school-run prayer. I don't mean a kid praying for their lunch or bowing their head when they have a chance in class to pray. I don't want my child's school leading in a prayer to start their day. Who choose on the, chooses the prayer? What's the prayer going to say? Is it going to be reflect my belief or somebody else's or be so vague it really doesn't mean anything? And that's not what we're talking about. When we talk about Christmas being identified in public schools, we're not talking about the religious aspect. I think we all know that. Are there some people who don't celebrate Christmas? Yeah, there are. Absolutely there are. But here's reality too. Do you know what the percentage of Americans that identify as Christians are? It's 63%. I think that poll was taken within the last five years. Do you know what the percentage of people who say they celebrate Christmas is? 93%. So where are the other 30% coming from who are celebrating Christmas? And are they celebrating the religious aspect? Or do you think they're celebrating just the Christmas lights, the songs, the Santa Claus, the candy canes? I think they're celebrating the fun aspects of it. I've heard atheists say, although they don't believe, obviously, in the religious part with the birth of Jesus, they do love the holiday with the lights and the sounds. It's just a happy time. So we're talking 7% of the population does not celebrate Christmas in some form. But still, I I would respect if I was doing a Christmas-type project for a grade where the kids are making an ornament for a patriotic Christmas tree, I would assign an alternative activity that would make the child happy and the parent happy. Now, the argument that we should shut it all down because some people don't practice it or are offended by it, but there's a lot of things you can make that argument for in school. I mean, think about all the sex ed talk in the last couple of years. But here's the thing. You can't shut down Christmas in public schools as if it's not happening all around. You know, that movie Love Actually, where the old rocker gets a hit with the song, you know, I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes, Christmas is all around me, and so the feeling grows. You know, it is. It's all around. And for a public school to say, but not in school, is disingenuous. And the fact that Christmas is a part of the American culture. It may have its roots in Christianity, but the reality is, well, American culture has its roots in Christianity. You can't escape that. And the idea of the tree and Santa and the songs, they're all part of American culture. And I would say it's better to teach your child to stand up for themselves and say, I'm not participating in this and here is why then go to teachers and shame them for having christmas decorations or celebrations or projects that use the christmas energy in a positive way in a middle school because in a sense when you're doing that you're doing the exact same thing that you are complaining the majority is doing you're only thinking about your views and your opinion on the matter you know Christmas is celebrated during the darkest time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. So is Hanukkah. Diwali was a couple of weeks ago, but it's also this idea of light over the darkness, good over evil. In the Northeast, it's getting dark and cold. You know, what I do right before the break 
I just started this a few years ago. We do a little lesson on holidays, and then I assign each student a holiday from around the world. It could be a different culture. It could be a religious holiday, a nationalistic holiday, a holiday just for fun. And they have to create a sweater out of paper, and they have to draw on it that depicts the holiday. So in a sense, it's our ugly Christmas sweater. So I'm using this Christmas theme to have them learn about a holiday from another culture. Again, using the positive energy of the Christmas season in a way they can learn something. But when we talk about holidays, like what are the reasons that we have holidays? We say you know, there's something important that a community feels needs to be remembered. That's often the reason for holidays, right? Be a religious holiday like Christmas, the birth of Jesus is an important thing for Christians to remember. Could be 4th of July, where we say the Declaration of Independence is something important for Americans to remember. But I also say that sometimes holidays are just a way for us to have fun, to find some enjoyment with each other in a community. And that's what Christmas brings to school. It really is a delightful time of the year to see the kids razzed up and excited when it's like in the Northeast, it's starting to get cold and dark. And I can tell you what, after we get back, after New Year's, the next two and a half months are a long haul till spring break. I always say near the end of February, early March, you can see the kids are drained. With Christmas and the winter break, they have something to look forward to. Spring break, when they come back in January, just seems so far away. And if putting up a Christmas tree and wearing a Santa hat and walking around with Christmas lights around your neck that flicker, if that is going to motivate my students during the darkest and coldest times of the year, and if I can find a way to tap into that energy to help them to learn a little more about history, I'm going to do it, no matter what the Grinches say. Around this time of year, you will always hear the question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And before we get to that, can you think of other movies that are not considered Christmas movies, but they take place at Christmas time? You can think of a bunch. Rocky IV, the fight between Rocky and Drago take place on Christmas Day. Gremlins is during the Christmas season. Lethal Weapon with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, also a Christmas movie. Now, some people will say they're really not Christmas movies. This happened to be set around Christmas time. But I would argue that Die Hard definitely is a Christmas movie. If you consider any Hallmark movie Christmas movies, not just love stories set at Christmas, then you have to include Die Hard as a Christmas movie. In fact, Die Hard is a Hallmark Christmas movie for men. That's really what it is. Now first, let me just praise Bruce Willis, a Jersey guy, um, just like me. I I enjoyed Bruce Willis's work starting with Moonlighting. 
that where he came to fame, right? Sybil Shepherd was the star of the show, and this actor, 30-something actor playing David Addison, nobody knew. But by the end, Bruce Willis, who played David Addison in that TV series, and if you've never seen Moonlighting, I strongly suggest you find it. Be it on episodes on YouTube, you can find it streaming. It was just a very clever TV show. And Bruce Willis, actually, Die Hard was not his first major motion picture role. It was a movie called Blind Date with Kim Basinger. And he did very well. And I got to be honest, I've never seen Blind Date, but I did see Die Hard. And that was really the movie that catapulted him to fame. If you think about it, and I could be wrong on this, but up until that time, the action hero in the 80s were like Sylvester Stallone in the Rambo series, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Welcome to the Parent-Teacher Conference Christmas Special. I'm Coach Cullen, your host. Or other guys around that time of the late 80s, early 90s, like Van Damme and Seagal. And I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be a little different and the guest stars I said I would have in the beginning, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> I have no budget. So that's really not going to He's married to Holly, who's played by Bonnie Bedelia, who took a job in Los Angeles, but working for Mr. Nakatomi of the Nakatomi Plaza. And she goes by her maiden name, Holly Gennaro. So he goes out to the West Coast to have some laughs. If this is your first time listening, typically the parent-teacher conference episodes deal with education from a center-right perspective. Of course, interrupts this whole attempt to rekindle or redefine the marriage of Holly and John McLean. I'm also a Christian, which influences my thoughts, but to be honest, and I think on this episode, you'll hear some of that because it's dealing with Christmas. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and this episode is titled The Parent-Teacher Conference Christmas Special, you can also copy the link to this specific episode on Spotify. It's a box with an arrow point. Now, last year, what I did for Christmas was I had an episode each day for 12 days, and it was typical Christmas arguments. What is the best or well over a decade later, when you have Liam Neeson, who is, was probably around 50 when he starred in the Taken series. But I guess you would argue there that Liam Neeson was, was a special ops. Like he knew you know, his particular set of skills, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you, where both Keanu Reeves' character and Bruce Willis's were just in the police force and doing extraordinary, ordinary guys doing extraordinary things. What is the best Christmas novelty song? And again, if you go on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, specials of old, where I'll have guest stars, but I don't have any guest stars. I have nobody to interview. So I will have a different quote-unquote skit or topic dealing with the main topic of Christmas. So it's a little different than what I typically do. I Typically, just run with one topic for the half hour to an hour worth of time. Let me know what you think. Again, just email me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. And I figure I'd start this 
Christmas special talking about Christmas traditions. And you can email me and tell me what are what were the Christmas traditions that you had as a child? What are the Christmas traditions that you have now as an adult? Maybe as a parent. One thing that did disappoint me about Die Hard is the sequels. Now, I know if you're really into Die Hard, you know that it's based on a book and there are differences with the book. But I'm just talking about the movies. And I've seen all four. I've enjoyed all four, but I wish the other three were different movies, not in the same vein. And here's why. Because Die Hard wraps up really well. You know, throughout the movie, he is helped by a patrol officer named Al, who is played by Reginald Bell Johnson, who became more famous as the father in Family Matters, the TV show with Urkel. And he kind of plays the role, like we see in a Hallmark Christmas movie, of the best friend of the woman you want to see get together with the guy. Now, you're probably wondering, how do you know so much about Hallmark Christmas movies? Because my wife's addicted to them. She watches them during the summer as well. Gotta watch out what I say. She could be hearing me right now. But it's true. But anyway, I digress. So, Reginald Bell Johnson plays that character for Bruce Willis in Die Hard. The friend that's going to assist him get through all these obstacles to wind up back with his wife. And at the end of the movie, this is why... I wish the other three didn't happen, the other three movies. So the second one still has him married and happily married with Holly. At the end of the first one, when everything's wrapping up, and I'm not going to ruin it for those of you who haven't. If you have not seen Die Hard, you got to see Die Even if you don't see it during Christmas, you need to see Die Hard. As it's wrapping up, when he finally gets to meet Al face to face. He brings in Holly, has his arm around Holly, his wife, and he introduces her. Now, one of the big sticking points is that she, when she got the job with Mr. Nakatomi in Los Angeles, he she gets it with her maiden name, Holly Gennaro. Remember, his name is John McLean. So he's introducing her to Al. And he says, I'd like you to meet my wife. Holly Gennaro. And for him, that was a big deal saying, I respect you and love you enough that if you want to go by your maiden name, that's fine by me. And when she reaches out her hand to shake Al's hand, she goes, it's Holly McLean. As in saying, you did all this for me. All the buildings on fire and all these thieves are dead. But you did all these things for me. You saved me. I want to be known as your wife. And just, again, the sacrificing in a little way to show their love rekindled again. And the second one still is they're married. But when you get into, I don't know about three as much. I don't, I got to be honest, I've only seen three once years ago. I've seen Live Free and Die Hard several times. And they're divorced again. It, it they're, they're estranged. And it's like, well, Die Hard wraps it up well. It, that's the... The message of love that that conquering all. But of course, Die Hard was such a successful movie, you wanted to milk it for as much money as you could. Now the reality is, even though Die Hard set at Christmas, the movie came out in July. It didn't even come out around Christmas at all. But the other reason why I say it's a Christmas movie, other than the fact that it's set at Christmas, one thing Christmas reminds us of is the fight 
over light over darkness. You know, you think about how you people love driving around neighborhoods, looking at the Christmas lights on display at the darkest time of the year. The remembrance of there's hope. Why are movies like this so successful when the good guys win? Why is that such a trope in all our movies? Because we know in reality that doesn't always happen. Sometimes the bad guys win. Sometimes evil conquers over good. Sometimes bad things happen in our life. And we go watch movies to escape that. We want to see the good guys win. We want to see John McClane kill Hans Gruber for all the killing he's done and get back together with his wife. And the reason we want it is because sometimes the Hans Grubers of the world win and sometimes marriages fail. And just like at Christmas, Die Hard reminds us that of our desire that good should conquer evil, that light should conquer darkness. The other reason why it's a Christmas movie, in my mind, is it satisfies the human longing for a hero. Look at the stories of antiquity where we have these mythological heroes that save the day. And those stories aren't just from times past, but think about even our present, how well the superhero movies do. You have the Marvel series, and of course, my favorite is the DC movie Shazam, which is also a Christmas movie, but we're not going to be talking about that right now. But like I said earlier, John McClane gives us the everyman hero. He's just a detective from New York City, who an ordinary guy who does extraordinary things. He's not what we expect in a hero. Kind of like a baby in a manger being the savior for humanity. Yeah, I know some of you are saying, well, that's a stretch. I, I don't I don't think so. I, I don't. And I'm not saying that John McClane is a Christ-like figure in Die Hard. <laughs> no means am I saying that. But what I am saying is it there's this human need for a hero. And the fact that John McClane plays someone that is the unexpected hero is kind of similar to a baby in the manger being the unexpected messiah. The story of Christmas. So yes, Die Hard is a Hallmark Christmas movie for men. And if you watch it this holiday season for the 10th time or the first time, I hope the excitement of Christmas enraptures you to the point that you agree with Bruce Willis's John McClane when he says, Welcome to the party, pal! A lot of people don't know this, but I serve as pulpit supply for my good friend's Presbyterian church. The weekend after Christmas one year, he went down to Florida to visit his parents. So I was asked to give the sermon that week. I believe it was about hope for the new year, why we're all into new year resolutions. And the song that we sang to end the service was... I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And I had heard it before, but after 
the service was over, his music director pulled me aside and he said, do you know the story of this song? And I was like, no. And he said, well, it was written as a poem by the famous American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And you would know Longfellow better for the song of Hiawatha or definitely the Paul, Paul Revere's Rod. You know, listen, my children, you will hear of the midnight rod of Paul Revere. But the music director went on to tell me that this poem was a bit more personal. Longfellow lived in Massachusetts, and his oldest son wanted to enlist in the Union Army. And Longfellow was against it. Not because he didn't believe in the cause, but because he didn't want to lose his son. You see, a few years earlier, he lost his beloved wife in a fire. He himself had tried to extinguish the fire, but to no avail. She died of her injuries, and he himself was injured with burns along his face, to which he had grew a beard for the rest of his life to cover up. But in losing his wife, he didn't want to lose his son as well. Well, in fall of 1863, he was notified that his son was injured in the Battle of Mine Run. So on Christmas Day of 1863, he wrote the poem, Christmas Bells. And I'm going to read that poem to you now. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I think you see Longfellow's depression. The bells of Christmas are supposed to give hope. They're supposed to give that line from Luke, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But he sees death in his wife. He sees the injury of his son. The Civil War itself is engulfing the country in death and destruction, as if the bells are mocking the whole Christmas message of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then he ends the poem, not of the bells, but of the God who the bells are ringing for, as it ends with this line. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. One of my favorite Christmas songs, in fact, I will play this song even outside of the Christmas season, is the version by the Christian band Casting Crowns. And I'm going to play a little bit of it because they do change the order of the stanzas. 
And I think it's very telling why. I've never actually read up why they did this, but I know they did it. And I'm going to explain to you why I think they did and how it really goes along with the message of Christmas. Now, I am going to play parts of the song, and I believe it's covered under fair use because I am critiquing the song, so you need to hear it for in order for you to understand what I'm talking about. And in despair, I bowed my When the song begins, the first stanza only has a piano playing, a very simple piano line as an instrumental. As you hear, the drum kicks in here, but the sound itself is very depressing. Just as the song, as we know from a Longfellow story, it's, it's a depressing time. You, you, you know, Christmas is the time for hope, for hope of peace on earth, goodwill to men, but that's not what Longfellow's seeing. He's seeing death. He's seeing destruction. He's seeing a country divided. And I think Casting Crowns, again, I don't know the story about why they changed things up. And you're going to hear this change up in a second here. And I'll discuss what I think they were doing. But it really does make you look at reality. You know, like I said earlier in the different parts of this episode, our Christmas special, in the Grinch story, I shared, you know, why is the idea of peace on earth, goodwill to men, such a bad thing when we look around us and we see fighting and war and even in our own country, disagreements and people taking, seeing in their neighbor the extreme just because they disagree on something. We're all going to disagree. Yet we see each other as the enemy rather than just a neighbor we disagree with. And then when I talk about why Die Hard is a Christmas movie, the desire for a hero the desire for good to conquer over evil. And like that here, lyric says, it's like the depression of saying, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Where is the peace during this season? Where is the peace at all? So I think the backing instrumental does a great job of making you feel the struggle and depression, the reality that life can be, this, the, the negativeness that is that can be there and again like the line longfellow says the chimes the bells of christmas proclaiming peace on earth goodwill to men they're mocking us but then the mood of the song changes It's interesting, right? For Longfellow, that's the last verse. Casting Crowns puts that in the middle of the song. Almost to serve as a reminder that it's not the bells that toll peace on earth, goodwill to men. It is the hope that the God behind the bells is who is going to bring 
peace on earth, goodwill to men. But it's not the end of the song. The crescendo, the high point of the poem, which is at the end of Longfellow's poem, is in the middle, and it's there for a reason. Because when we understand that God will prevail, that is our hope, life continues. It doesn't, it's not the end. And Casting Crown captures that, how they continue the song from that point on. All from A chime, a chance of life. Peace on earth, good to you can hear high notes on the guitar being played. The violins are, I, I think, are playing a lot brighter than they were in the beginning. Even the refrain changes, and there's you can hear hope in the singer's voice as well as in the instruments. That song and that rendition of the song by Casting Crowns is a reminder of one of the reasons why I do practice Christianity, why I place my faith in Jesus Christ. It's because throughout the Bible, it never promises you your best life now. It says there will be wars and rumors of wars, and there will be trials and tribulations. And what I believe Casting Crowns does in their reconfiguration of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day is this. Without the hope that God is not dead nor doth he sleep, the wrong shall fail, the right prevail. Without that hope, the bells on Christmas Day are a funeral dirge. But when you realize that hope that's now placed in the middle of the song, you hear those Christmas bells a lot differently. I hope you enjoyed the Parent-Teacher Conference Christmas Special. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining me on the Parent-Teacher Conference Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.